1: I'm excited. It's uh it's a fun weekend. We've got Super Bowl, we've got signing the studs. I kept telling my wife, I was like, baby, give it Here, just come just just sign me. And my, my, my wife said that's not what we're doing. But um hey, it's Valentine's Day coming up. You guys excited about Valentine's Day? That's pretty half-hearted, I can tell. Um you'll feel better about it once you make reservations. So do that. If, if I see any men in the middle of my message texting, I won't be offended. I know you are making reservations. That's okay if you're making, call, calling people, um, barbacoa, like calling, trying to make reservations. And um, I, I, I want to go to Dickie's. That's, I think I'm going to bring my wife to Dickie's. That's the plan. <laughs> so it's, it's going to be good. Hey, if, you, um, if you're looking for a last-minute Valentine's Day gift... I've got a good suggestion for you. Because there's nothing more romantic than like a good Valentine's book. Um, so this is a, a good romantic Valentine's book. Um, T-Rex Trying. Has anybody ever seen T-Rex Trying before? It's a series of three books. And they're absolutely amazing. Your loved one will love it. And they will love you for it. Because it's just a bunch of illustrations of T-Rex trying. <laughs> and, and I hear T-Rex is trying to paint. And uh, he, he can't... because. Uh, if you didn't know, T-Rex's arms are a little tiny. Little, he's got little hands, and so he, he can't paint the wall. He's trying to paint the wall, but he can't do it. Next one. Okay, this is T-Rex trying to shave, right? <laughs> he's, he's like, he can't, he can't shave. Um, this one's, oh, so sad. T-Rex uh, trying to use an umbrella. Um, sorry, T-Rex. And this is, this is T-Rex trying to open the door for his girlfriend. <laughs> He's trying so hard and he can't reach the door. Uh poor T-Rex. Um I, I think I, I think that's a lot of fun. And and I think it it looks like my life a lot of the times. Where I, there's there's things that I want to do, things I want to accomplish. But but I feel like sometimes my arms are just limited to be able to do the things that I'm I'm trying to do in my life. Um maybe maybe for you that's that's an area that you would say. You, you agree that there are areas of your life that, that it's like T-Rex. You're, tr- you're like T-Rex trying to, maybe just trying to figure out what makes your wife tick. You just feel like T-Rex trying to figure out how she thinks the way she thinks. Or, or maybe you're, you're just, you feel like T-Rex because you're like, I, 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 I fully planned, to, like I need God to help me with my fiance because I see so much in him and I just need to change him to become exactly who I, like that's my whole goal. That's why we're getting married. I'm going to change him. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. Um, whatever, whatever the reason is that you are here today, or let me say it like this, for whatever reason, that, or w- whichever way you believe in God, because there are people in the room that don't believe in God. There's people that have been living for God for years in here, and there are people that are still trying to see if they believe this stuff. And I would say no matter where you are in that whole spectrum of what you believe about God, we all know that we need to grow in the way our relationships interact. We all all need to become healthier in the way we interact with other people. And and the truth is, you need people in your life, whether you're single and you're just looking for friends or you're you're engaged and you're looking towards a spouse, we need people in our lives that don't just accept us how we are. Like, I... amazing. He just accepts me for who I am. No, you don't want someone that accepts you for who you is. You need someone that sees who you could be and speaks that into your life and believes the best about you. That's who you need. We all need friends that that, that come alongside us and they, and they elevate our lives, you know? So maybe, maybe it's the, the friend that friend that, that can see the, the spinach in your teeth and, and be like, hey, you got spinach in your teeth. So let's, get that, let's deal with the spinach in your teeth. I don't need everybody. I don't need all of you telling me I have spinach in my teeth, but I need a, a select hand few, handful of people that have access to my life to be able to tell me that there are, there are things I need to work on. My um, my wife and I on Mondays we, we tend to try to go on a date night and um, together we go on a date together on Mondays and so, so sometimes a, sometimes a Monday date looks like me going hunting and her like doing something else that, that's that's another kind of date night I'm hunting and she but this is us together on a date and uh, <laughs> we were um, we went to Yoitomo in in Boise anybody been to Yotomo? Let's go. I got some sushi people here. And um, it's, it's all-you-can-eat sushi. Um, and I love places like that because my goal going in is I want to make them lose money on me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I may, not, I may not look that big, but I can put down some sushi. And so um, so I went there and, and did my best to, to put them out of business. Amen. They're, they're really It's good sushi. Um, but as I was, I was walking to the restroom, um, to get to the restroom, you walk right past the sushi bar. And I look, and one of the chefs, uh, there's something on his leg, I noticed. Oh, that's interesting. And I, as I was coming back out, I looked again, and sure enough, there was this shiny strip going down the side of his leg from about here to here. And it said medium, 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 all the way, all the way down his leg. He, he, didn't, he didn't take the sticker off his brand-new pants. So I get to the, the table and I sit down and the waiter comes over and he asks what I want. And I was like, I want it all. And, th- and then uh, I, I said, hey, there's, there's one thing I need to tell you. Your, your, your boy back there, the chef, he's got a sticker on his. Can you tell him he's got a sticker on his pants and he needs better friends? <laughs> you, know, like, you need better friends. You need friends in your life that will tell you you have stickers on your pants. And if, you're, if your ultimate version of life looks like no one ever telling you you have stickers on your pants, then your life will not be as great as it could be. So the, the Apostle Paul speaks to this. In the Bible, there's a man, his name is Paul. He was a follower of Jesus, but not during Jesus' life. After Jesus died, Paul was... In fact, he was very much uh, against the church the first time we ever hear about Paul. He is involved in the murder of a Christian. And God has this radical moment with him. If you, if you think you are too far and you've done too much that God would never go after you and chase and retrieve you, you are wrong. The apostle Paul killed people uh, because they were believers in Jesus and God still said, I want you. And so Paul he he writes, he starts building these churches all over the the, the Mediterranean, the southern Europe area. He begins building churches, and as he's doing this, he starts writing letters to the churches to encourage them. He's basically a serial church planter. And he's writing these letters, and one of the letters is to a church in a place called Galatia. And here's what he says He says, Dear brothers and sisters, If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I love love that he says this. He says if, you, if you're somebody that's godly, if your heart is best for them, like if, if you believe the best in them, then go ahead and, and, and deal with the issue. But do it humbly and do it gently. Because if you're not humble and you're not gentle when you hit that issue, guess what? Chances are pretty good you're about to have the same issue. Has anybody ever experienced that? You, you, you tried to address something in someone's life, and like two weeks later, you're dealing with the same thing. He says, gentle and humble. And I think it's good that the Apostle Paul encourages us to do this because this is not the way we are wired. Like our default is typically to just ignore, to avoid, to excuse, to just pretend like it's not an issue. Like, no, it's not a problem in my marriage at all. It's not his anger is not a problem at all. We're all fine. We're we're all fine. We're we're just we just keep sweeping it under the rug. And Paul says, no, gently and humbly address that thing. Or the other side of it is, we have no problem addressing it. It's just we're not gentle and we're not humble. And so we just, we just wade into it and address the, we address the elephant in the room. But, but the truth is we're being very condemning, very judging, very aggressive. And that's not helpful either. I, I think when we avoid addressing uh, what's not the best for someone, or when we just lean into it and we don't do it with grace, I think it says more about us than it does them. It says more about us... Than them. So in our household, we have a, a brand new driver. My oldest son is driving. Look out, Nampa. It's a very good time to be inside of my car and not a pedestrian. <laughs> and so we're driving and um, and he's he's learning. He, he's he's making some mistakes, and, and we're we're talking through it, we're correcting, and you know, we're backseat driving a little bit. And And here's the deal. I I could get super frustrated and irritated and just, like, short with him. Like, I can't can't believe you're still making this mistake. I can't can't believe you're making Or I could just pretend like, oh, it's okay. It was just a pedestrian crossing the street. No big deal. (laughs) Just keep doing what you're doing. I I think a healthy parent would address it in a gentle and humble way. Why? Because I've been driving for 30 years. There are things that I do when I drive that I don't even think about. I'm not, I'm not thinking through the steps of how to drive through a drive through at McDonald's. But when I watch my son go through a drive through at McDonald's for the first time ever, it's stressful for him. And, and I, could, I could just criticize and be like, I can't believe you're making these mistakes. Or I could say, no, no, no. The best way for me to help engage what's going on and help you grow and become the best driver you can be is if I gently and carefully encourage the good behavior and then address the stuff that's not working out well. It's helpful. It's good. And this is what Paul says is the way we fulfill the law of Christ as a community of believers. One of the ways we fulfill the law of Christ is we're willing to allow each other to become better by stepping out and saying, I think this is an area of growth for you. We fulfill the law of Christ in our marriage when we address sin in our marriage and say, this is not God's best for our marriage. We fulfill the law of Christ when we're engaged with somebody and we find ourselves going too far or whatever it might be. And we say, No, this is not a, we're, we're not gonna cross these boundaries. We're gonna, we're gonna do what God wants us to do. That's fulfilling the law of Christ in our lives. And so the way we do it is we help, we, we don't judge, we don't condemn, we don't ignore, we don't excuse, we help, and we do this through patience and encouragement. Paul goes on and he says this. Share each other's burdens. And in this way, you obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Everybody say, you are no. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're not that important. Like, no, no, no. No, no, no. We are not He's saying this, he's saying, if you think you are too busy to pause for a moment and share someone else's burden, you're not too busy. You don't have so much going on in your life that you can't press pause and help your neighbor. This is this is an interesting word he says, burden. So what is a burden? It's, it seems like a very biblically word, burden. A burden I think it would be easiest described if I said a a beast of burden. Anybody ever heard of a beast of burden? So a beast of burden could be like an oxen. It could be a donkey. A donkey. It's a, a beast of burden where it's carrying a heavy weight. It could be a camel. It could be a husband when you got a new couch. Like, he's now a beast of burden. What it means is... An animal that is carrying a a lot of weight from one place to another place. And so when the Bible says that we carry each other's burdens, what it means, it doesn't mean we're carrying physical weight. Like we went to a gym, we got a stack of plates, and we put them on our shoulder. We're like, I've got a burden. No, what it means is there are internal things that you and I cannot see about each other that weigh us down. There are people in this room with the burden of depression... There are people in this room with an unseen burden of insecurity. There are people with an unseen burden in this room of the career that they chose. It's just a lot. There are, there are people in this room that their marriage, just, just trying to move their marriage up the hill feels like a lot of weight. And, I, and what Paul says is this, is we don't leave each other alone to carry the weight of life all by ourselves. I don't care, I don't care how big his back is, he cannot handle the weight of life himself, God God created us to live in community and to share each other's burdens. If you're raising a teenage child, you need to amen me harder. We share each other's burdens. What am I talking about? I'm saying we share the worry. We share the worry. The, the, the anxiety that someone is experiencing, what, what, like a burden of loss or a burden of grief or a burden of a new season of life. These are all burdens that you can't see. And could it just be that what your spouse is going through is something you cannot see right now? Could it just be that your fiancé is actually dealing with a lot that they're just, they're not comfortable telling you yet, but it's a burden they're, they're under? Could it be that that single person, like, like, I'm sure there's single people in the room today. Like, I'm, I'm sure. Is there any single, is there any single people in the room? If you're single, put your hand up. It, got some, put them up high. Put them up high. All right, now look around. Look around. That's what you're working with. Yep. There you go. That's what you're working with. <laughs> <laughs> That's better than E Harmony right there. Hey, you should pay me. If you're paying E Harmony, you should pay me right now. But singleness is both a gift and sometimes it can be a burden. Paul calls it a gift because it opens up time and opportunity for you to to take on. In, in fact, biblically, it gives you opportunity for more responsibility while you're single. Not less. It doesn't mean abdication of responsibility. Singleness biblically is I can take on more. But that comes with the burden. There's a lot to do there, there's, there's a lot going on. So, how do I carry someone's burden without getting frustrated with them? Because there's there's been people in my life that that, that I'll come alongside them to try to carry their burden. But if I'm not careful, it doesn't take long until I resent their burden. I resent them. I'm frustrated with them because they don't just get over it. Anybody else? Just just get over it. But it's a burden. It's it's a weight. They're not just going to get over it. So how do I share someone's burden without becoming resentful towards them? How do I share my husband's burden without being so angry at him? I'm glad you asked, because the Apostle Paul is thorough, and he answers it. He says this, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct it's interesting there's this dichotomy there's this opposition he says you should share each other's burden but he also says you are responsible for your own conduct what is the apostle paul trying to say he's sharing insight that will change your relationships we share the weight of burdens but we assign the behavior we don't share the behavior. We share the burden. We assign the behavior. So my decision to react being angry, that's a burden, but my decision to react, that's a behavior. We share the behavior we, ass- or we share the burden we assign. The behavior. And the truth is this is that you will not get free from what is holding you captive until you learn to carry your own behaviors. You can't become free from your behaviors if I carry them. And I cannot be free if I ask you to carry my behaviors. You can support the burden. You can get behind me with the burden, but I have to come to a place where I take responsibility for my own behaviors to find freedom. And I I think there's nobody more qualified to explain this to us or to demonstrate this to us than my good friend uh, that I've invited here today. I've invited a a close friend to just come talk to us and and explain to us what it looks like. And that friend is T-Rex himself. Would you guys give T-Rex a hand? (laughs) Look at that, come on, that's T Rex right there. Can you do a little dance for us, T Rex? Can you do a little dance? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Let's go. <laughs> come on. <laughs> hey, here's the thing. Good job, T Rex. Hey, here's the thing about T Rex. Number one, he's cute and single. Yeah, come on, come on. <laughs> I don't think you like that, but <clears throat> here's the thing about T Rex. T-Rex has strong shoulders and a loud roar. Ah! Ah! He's got strong shoulders and a loud roar. But guess what? His little T-Rex arms cannot carry your behavior. This (laughs) This is how we relationship. This is how we relationship right here. We carry the burden. Ah! We don't carry the behavior. (laughs) A great example of this would be when my wife and I first got married. So my wife, she was just crazy about me. She couldn't keep her hands off me. I was just like, girl, like, I am more than this. Like, I have feelings and emotions too. Like, (laughs) she just, I swept her off her feet and uh, (laughs) I took her from Sacramento to Fairbanks, Alaska. (laughs) Wah, wah, wah. Like, it it got bad quick. And this girl that was fun-loving and exciting and had lots of friends. It was just the life of the party. She moved to like 1,000 miles from home to Alaska. And for the first few months, everything was great. And, and then I noticed she was like, she had this like, ir, this irritable thing about her. I was, she was irritable quickly. And I was like, what is going on? And I was like, why are you so, this is not who I married. Not this, I, didn't, I didn't marry this irritable person. I, I don't know what's going on. And then we both sort of simultaneously realized Anytime she would talk to her cousins or her family from back home, for the rest of the day, she would just be bummed out. (laughs) And we realized that what's really going on, it wasn't that she was mad at me. It wasn't that she was super upset about the situation. It's that she was just, she's, she's a people person. And she had no friends, and she was far from home, and she was homesick. Now, as a husband, I had a couple choices. One could have been I, I just sort of ignore it and just deny it, right? I mean, you're, get over it. You're not you're not home, so Just ignore it. Let's like, just, just sweep that under the rug. That's not going to cause a problem in our relationship later. Like, no, it's no big deal. Just ignore it. Or what I could do is I could tell her I could just, I could I could condemn her. I could be like, I can't believe. Like we're doing youth ministry. Like we're doing the work of God. Why? How do you have time to be tired and, and, and exhausted? How do you have time to be homesick? We're doing the things of God. Again, husband fail. In that moment, there's not been a lot of times I've got it right. This is one of the ones where I did. Well, what I did is I came alongside of her and I said, hey, we're going to roar at homesickness and loneliness like, roar, like, homesickness and loneliness, we're coming for you. And so what we do is we, I would pray. I'd say, I don't have, I don't have the hands, I don't have the hands to become frustrated and, and, and go down this, this, this frustrated path with you. I don't have the hands to carry that behavior, but I do have a robust prayer life and I can come alongside you and roar at loneliness and homesickness. Like I can come beside you and I can carry that. I can get you surrounded by people that you could build relationships, but I can't go Down the hole of negativity that comes with it. This is how our relationships work. Healthy relationships, they share the burden, but they assign the behavior. Shoulders are big enough to handle the burden, but my arms are not long enough to carry the behavior. So, for you, this may look like maybe somebody that you love is is dealing with depression and they're just struggling right now. They have a burden that must be shared. They need you to come alongside them and with your big, broad shoulders and your robust prayer life and loud voice, encourage them and pray for them and get them out of their caves and say, God's got a plan for your life, like the the end is going to be better than the beginning, like he's got purpose and hope and a future for you. You can come alongside and you can share the burden, but I cannot isolate myself in a corner because that's what God is there in the first place you got, you got a friend that's, that's walking through entrepreneurship and they're, they're, they're building a business from nothing and you can come alongside them because there's pains no one ever sees. And you can encourage them and say, God's got a plan for your life. like th- this, is, this is God's purpose in your life if you just keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing and encourage and uplift. But I cannot come through and do the th- stuff that you're doing at three in the morning that no one sees. I can't do that. Anger is a burden some people deal with. And I can support the person that's angry, but lashing out is a behavior. And I cannot carry the behavior. But you don't understand, preacher, like, she makes me mad. No, you make you mad. My dad, when I was a kid, he would, he would say this. My sisters and I would be fighting, bickering back and forth, My dad would be like, you're choosing to be angry. And I'm like, dad, I'm angry at you now. (laughs) You're choosing to be mad. But it's true that lashing out is a behavior problem. It can't be shared. if, If you're struggling with the anger piece, I can come alongside you and I can pray peace over you. I can bring peace into the home. I can do all my best to do that. But I cannot join you in lashing out. Addiction, see this is why you bring T-Rex on stage because I talk about whatever I want as long as T-Rex is on stage. We're just gonna go there. Addiction is a burden that suffocates people. There are people in this room suffocating from addiction and they don't need your condemnation and they don't need you to excuse it. They need you to share the burden with them. They need your big shoulders and your loud voice to begin to call out to God for them. You, they need people to check in on them. They need people that will, that will support them and bring them, move them forward in their life. But here's the deal. No one gets free from addiction by themselves. You don't just think your way and become free. No, we get in community with other people and the grace of God can transform lives. And no one becomes free from addiction until they take ownership of the behavior. So as long as you're saying things like, the reason I do it is because my mom just drives me nuts and so then that's why I do it. As long as you're saying that, you're not taking ownership for the behavior. And we can, we can share the burden. Ah. But we can't hold the behavior. That's for you to carry. So we share the burden. We don't share the behavior. Battles with lust and sexuality are a burden that cripple people. But unfaithfulness is a behavior. And I can come beside you and I can believe in you and I can lean into what God is doing and and pray for restoration. But here's the deal. There's got to be ownership of the behavior because I cannot join you at the behavior if I want to see God's best. And until we take ownership for the behavior, there will be no freedom. Now, the only reason it happened is because of what she was wearing. That's the only reason. I, it was, she was wearing that, and so that's why. It, I, that's, it was, that's avoiding ownership. Own it. Well, I got on the computer, and that was already on the computer, and then I just saw that there, and so it's not, it was already there. Own it. You will not find freedom if you keep blaming it. Got to get honest. To get free. We share the burden, but we assign the behavior gently and humbly. Is that all right? Let's give T-Rex a hand. Let's go, T-Rex. All right, count with me. Let's we'll see if he makes it. One, two, three, four. <laughs> uh <laughs> And here's the deal. I, I think it would be a lot of fun to just to be a fly on the wall of your house tonight. <laughs> I'm just like stirring the pot this morning. But here's the deal. This is not one of those sermons that I preach. You're know, like, oh, that made me feel so good, and I'm changed. This is one of those ones where you're like, oh, that gives me some things I need to think about the way I view our relationship. Am I expecting you to hold my behavior? Or am I holding you captive by my behavior? Or am I holding your behavior and only enabling you to continue that behavior? If if I keep jumping into the fight with you, am I just helping you keep a fight going? Instead, I'm going to choose to share the burden, but assign that behavior. And, And this... This doesn't just apply to our relationships because, again, I know there's people in the room that don't even believe in Jesus, and this is where we may differ on how we view this whole thing because for Christians, it goes a whole lot deeper than just how we interact with other people because as Christians we believe that there is this thing that we do, and sometimes we are, that is like this, we call it sin. It's anything we think, do, or say that separates us from God. Like all these things in our life that pile up that that we believe create like this broken world. In fact, as Christians, we believe the world is broken. Like we've been saying it's broken since before the last couple of elections. We've been saying it is broken. We believe that the world is at war. Christians believe that there is an unseen war of good versus evil and that we are smack dab in the middle of it and there may be times when God opens the veil and you can see it but we believe it is as real as this stage I'm standing on and and this this brokenness and this sin that's in our life it separates us from God and not just our own sin it's the sin of other people the consequences of other people's sins affects me And for some of us in this room, it's the consequences of people that don't even live anymore. Maybe your parents or your great-grandparents. It was like we may say like a generational sin or maybe like a generational propensity, like this this thing where some people's families tend to have struggles in certain areas more than others and I'm just saying that's the result of a fallen world and it is not God's best for us and it is not God's plan for us. He's got plans of hope and a future and being in close relationship with him where he can talk to you and you can hear him and there can be True change and transformation. This is what the church is for. Like, we're building this room over here, not because we have some ego to stroke and we want a bigger room. I don't care about that. I'll be faithful to ten people. What I'm saying is, God's plan on the earth is to bring his gospel to every person through the local church. Like, that's the job of the church is to share the good news of Jesus. This is why we gather in environments like this because it's in rooms like this where we're able to experience the presence of God in a way that is different than the way we experience the presence of God in a break room at work. And it can fill us up and it can change us and it can transform us and it can give us the very stuff we need to be able to carry each other's burdens and make a difference in the world around us. So we become separated from God, if the band would come. We become separated from God because of the the broken decisions we make. The broken decisions others make separate us and remove us from his presence. And there's times when I'm going down the right way, but the truth is I'm I'm like a, a new driver. And I just, I change lanes a little too quick and I create chaos in my life or there's times when I just take a wrong turn and I don't know how to get back on the road. Can I tell you that that God brings freedom from the burden, but you've gotta take responsibility for the behavior. Because God saw us struggling under the burden of sin. And he knew that we could not lift that burden off of ourselves. So the Bible says he humbles himself to the point of a man, to the point of a slave dying on a cross. Like he dies a slave's death. Why? Because he has the full intention of lifting all those burdens of sin and things that separate us from God. Not not to shame us, not to wag his finger, not to ignore it like some bad lover. But instead he says, I'm going to lift the weight of sin off your life so you can experience freedom and you can be an overcomer in Jesus. So God saw us struggling and he didn't leave it on us and and he he walks over and he takes all the weight of that stuff off while he's on that cross. He lifts the weight of sin from us. God goes T-Rex on sin. Pain, hell, death. God says, I'm going to make it so that you can live a life unafraid of death. Why? Because I have overcome death, hell, and the grave. Ah. But that doesn't excuse the behavior. You've still got to find freedom. I think sometimes we hope, like, God, would you just come by and just make it? Would you just... Would you just come by next time I'm in the bar and just smack that 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 bottle? Like when I'm like, just smack that bottle off the bar. God's not in business of smacking bottles off bars. God's not in the business of 11:30 at night in a room with a closed door, going up to you on your computer and pulling the plug on the internet. That, that's not what God does. What He says is, I will lift you from the weight of sin. And I will empower you and give you freedom to overcome. But I'm going to assign the behavior to you. And I'm just telling somebody, you are free. The Bible says who Jesus has set free is free indeed. Like you don't have to be bound by those things that bound you, those things that hold you back. You don't have to be held back by them any longer. But he's not going to do it for you. He's not going to do it. you. Why? Because that's the way healthy relationships work. Healthy relationships don't control all the scenarios. Healthy relationships share the burden, but they assign the behavior. And that's what repentance is. When When we repent, something we teach all the time here, repentance It's us saying, I'm turning away from the things in my life that are separating me. You've already set me free. I'm already free. But I'm going to continue to repent and turn away from the times when I go down the wrong road or when I change lanes too quick. That's what repentance is. It's saying, I take ownership that I went the wrong way and I want you to be the Lord of my life. This is what God does. He shares the burden and assigns the behavior. It's what healthy relationships do. They come along and they say, I see an area of growth for you and I'm not too important to address it and I will address it gently and humbly. I will share the burden but I will assign the behavior. I'm not going down that rabbit hole with you. Would you stand with me all across the room? Maybe you've been too preoccupied with your own burdens that you just have not recognized. Maybe your fiance or your husband or your girlfriend, they have burdens as well. Part of healthy relationships looks like even when we have our own burdens, we choose to share each other's burdens. We choose to share each other's burdens. I'm not going to carry your behavior, but I will share your burdens. And so maybe for you, you've just, you've tried to do that, but the truth is you created really poor boundaries and you've been holding someone else's behavior and letting them have behavior that's ruining your relationship. And I'm telling you, stop, stop, it's not healthy create boundaries create boundaries I want to take a moment and I just want to go to God and I want to ask him to help us do this to walk this out because this is not a rah 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 go be amazing This is a God, I want you to change my heart and change my mind. I want you to transform the way I live. So if you're single in the room, if you're dating in the room, if you're engaged in the room, if you're married in the room, if you're divorced in the room, if you're widowed or widower in the room, I wanna pray for you right now. Would you just raise your hands and maybe if you're with the person you're you're married to or whatever, grab their hand. I wanna pray for these relationships. God, we turn to you right now. As people who find ourselves in a broken world, with broken hearts and often broken dreams. We turn to you and we ask you to shed your light, your hope and your freedom into our world. God, I pray for every married couple in this room right now that they would that they would share each other's burdens. That they would be loyal and strong and true to share each other's burdens. And I pray that we would be strong enough and wise enough and courageous enough to own our own behavior and allow you to change us. Allow you to transform us. God, I pray for the single person right now that as they're trying to figure out what the next step is for their life, that you would begin speaking to and addressing and shaping the future areas of conflict in their life that today they could become who you've called them to be. In Jesus' name. I wonder if in this room, there's somebody that for you you're ready to be honest and say i'm far from god and i need him to lift that weight of of sin and separation from him i need him to lift that i want to be right with god if that's you can you just put your hand up bold i mean don't be shy there's people in here that believe in what you're doing would you put your hand up i see that I see that, I see that, bold hands, unafraid to say, I want my walk with God to be better, yeah. Here's what we're gonna do. For all of us that raised our hand, and for some of you that maybe you didn't, but you want to, you can join us, we're going to repent and believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we think, do or say that don't please God, we're going to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we do this, his blood cleanses us from all sin. And He's going to lift that burden off of you and make you free to experience change. Pray something like this with me. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I want to please you. Could you forgive me. I believe that Jesus died on a cross and was buried for three days. And that when he rose again, he rose with all power in his hands. Right now I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me: Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made the best decision of their life. Best decision of your entire life. to Move forward in your walk with God. Listen, in a few moments, we're going to have baptisms. Um, if you are, if you've come and you're ready to be baptized, I want you to come over here. Liz, would you, there, Liz? Yep, yeah, nice and high. There we go, Lynn, nice and high. I want you to come to these two ladies here. They will help you get to the changing rooms. If you came today and you were not prepared to be baptized, but you feel like God is calling you to be baptized, like you, you sense like this is, I need this in my life. We are ready for you. We've got shorts. We've got shirts. We got deodorant. We got hairspray, we got it all. So if you want to get baptized, come over here and we'll direct you. Let's respond in worship, and in just a moment, there will be some baptism.
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.